Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all the things it takes all around your company to develop it, build it, market, sell, and price to customer perceived value. Uh, That last one, pricing to it, is the specialty of our guest today, Pear, the Price Whisperer Showforce. Pear, welcome. Thank you very much, Mark, and thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, you and I have met through this uh, network, the C-Suite Network, and we are kindred spirits in terms of pricing to customer perceived value. So tell us a little bit about how important that is. Oh, it's, uh, it's terribly important. And maybe I can frame that a little bit by telling, telling the audience how I got into this. And, and uh, the story here is that I had a chance to, to run a couple of companies in Europe while I'm while I was still there. And, and then once I moved to the States here, I, I ran a couple of companies too. And um, pricing was always a bit of an ex, uh, interest area for me. So we did experiments in those companies. Some of those experiments were tremendously successful. Like next quarter revenues are up with, um, uh, revenues are up with 25%. And others were complete disasters. And what I had learned in business school and what I could read about pricing was so academic and so theoretical that it didn't help us at all to understand why some of those experiments worked and others did not. So um, 13 years ago, I decided to set up a process um, that um, would make every pricing experiment a success. And that process, in short, consists of measuring the, the perceived customer value of a product or a service. And, and this is something that could be done with great accuracy in um, a particular kind of online market research and the methodology to do that measurement that I figured out. And then take that to the next level. And the next level meaning understanding how that perception of value, that the, the monetized perception of value is different for different customer profiles, is different for for different features and functions, is different for different marketing messages, is different from um, different sales methodologies and marketing methodologies and so forth. And when you you do this whole process, what, what happens is that you get to know how all of these aspects about your market, your customers, your product, or your service affect sales volume at different prices. And obviously, when you know that, you can, you can adjust. So you, you sell to the people that the customers that has the highest, um, would generate the highest sales volume at the highest prices yep. using the features and functions. So that seems so straightforward. Uh, find out what the value is to different people at different times, different markets, different uh, with different positioning and marketing strategies. You'd think that that's what everybody would do, 
But man, in, in my travels, it's nothing like that in the real world. And if the closer you get to academia, the worse it gets. The, the pinnacle of uselessness is by studying supply and demand curves. Yes. <laughs> because exactly. it, you know, in economics, price is just that intersection point between this, this dispassionate supply and demand curve. And it is 100% the result of supply and demand. In reality, price declares value. Exactly, yes. And so from that, from that even fundamental thing, most pricing consultants get it wrong. What are most pricing consultants, or if there's kind of classifications or, or groups of methodology approach to the pricing problems, what are some of the ones you see out there? Well, the, the first thing that pricing consultants, and there's not many of them, there's just a handful, maybe, maybe a dozen or so, maybe two dozens. Um, what they typically do is that they look for, at sales data. And, and from sales data, they're trying to understand um, elasticity. And that is a, that's a big problem because sales data is, is not enough. There, there, and there are many problems here. First off, a company only sells to the customers that accept their value message, their marketing message. So first off, looking at sales data, you're only, you're, you're only looking at existing customers. And your growth is going to come from those who are not buyers, you know? <laughs> so you start by looking at the wrong people. <laughs> that reminds you know? me of the, the old World War II study, all the, the bombers that came back, they would track all the damage of bombers and they would find, to, and they would find out that uh, the bombers are really, um, they, don't seem to, they don't seem to record any damage around the engines, around the pipe, around the cockpit. Those planes never returned. No, exactly. <laughs> the, the you're only able to count the bullet holes on the plane that comes back. So when yeah. we take our own, our own sales data, we are, we're only finding out about the prices that worked for our existing customers with our existing sales skills, with their existing skill levels, and the existing value communications that they executed. And then you're optimizing within all of those same, 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 same. Is that right? Well, you're optimizing within an echo chamber. Yeah. <laughs> it's a much better way you of know, saying it. And, and that is, and, that, that is um, and I love when you're looking at the traditional demand curves that, 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 that is being taught. Those works under a few circumstances. First off, they work under the assumption that every product or service is completely replaceable by other products or services, that they are identical, that access to funds are identical, that, um, the, the, um, uh, that the circumstance around the, 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 the customer is identical. And none of this will ever happen. Yeah, and that customers I, I, are making rational decisions, that customers have perfect information about all the alternatives at all times. Yep. Those are assumptions are in place so that the math works. Yes. They aren't there, <laughs> right? They aren't there to describe reality. They no, are there they are there to to justify a mathematical model that doesn't work in the real world. I used to I used to use the example of a commodity like gas, okay? 
um, your willingness to pay for gas is probably going to be much higher when you're running low on gas and you're on the way to the hospital with a sick child as opposed to when you're on the way to the in-laws. You know? <laughs> so circum circumstance change you know, is, yeah. makes, makes your willingness to pay completely different. Yeah. You know? I love using that gasoline metaphor. I was taking the monorail out of Oakland Airport. And at one point, you go past two gas stations that are right across the street from each other. And I'm looking down at the price sign, and they were 40 cents a gallon different. Yeah. Right across the street from each other. And if the laws of supply and demand were remotely realistic, that could not happen. One of them yep. could not possibly in business, be in business. So something is different about the gas at that, or something is different about the gas station with the 40, per, 40 cents per gallon higher. It has better hot dogs. It's, the bathrooms are cleaner. Um, yep. It is two right turns into the, into the rush hour commute rather than two left turns or some yep. combination of things. And all of those translate to significant value difference that one gas station took advantage of there's uh, on the on the 15 freeway between los angeles where i am and and vegas there's a fairly long stretch um, maybe 40 miles or so that only has one gas station and gas at that gas station is eight bucks a gallon yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah so of course there are very few people filling up but it's very, very profitable, obviously, for the gas station. And those who do fill up do so because it's better to pay eight bucks a gallon than it is to, to run out in the middle of the desert. Uh, there's another one between Las Vegas and uh, Bullhead City. Uh -huh. And they, they advertise, it was the only gas station, they advertised for $2 a liter, <laughs> which is $8 a gallon. And, and yeah. you were... Once you stopped, and I, we actually had to use it once, and we got like $5 worth of gas just yeah. to get us to Bullhead City. I think it was 30 miles to Bullhead City. Yeah. But none of this discussion or what we've been talking about could be found out from looking at sales data. There's a way of looking at sales data that is very, very useful. And that is when you look at sales data segmented by different salespeople, different sales channels, different, um, um, uh, different products, and, and, and you correlate that with, with uh, gross margin. Because then you can see, you can find out who are the salespeople or who are the sales groups that are discounting too much. Who are the, um, uh, who are the areas that, that uh, for reason, reasons that you need to find out, cannot hold price. Uh, you will find out what, uh, what product may be underpriced compared to other products, uh, just on a gross margin uh, perspective. So there is value in that sales transaction data, but not to set prices. But value is to, to make the organization more efficient, to um, make sure that the organization do not leave as much money on the table as they traditionally do, you know? Yeah. And, and this is because most organizations, they are timid in pricing because they know through sort of a corporate gut feel that their customers are willing to pay X. Well, in fact, those customers are willing to pay Y. 
Yeah, I run into this in my sales consulting practice that mm-hmm. uh, we're a, that price and and what I really concentrate on uh, within that data is that it assumes a level of sales expertise, mm-hmm. and I can tell you based on hundreds of thousands of business to business opportunity reviews with hundreds of thousands of salespeople, uh, me plus a few hundred consultants uh, that were my colleagues, salespeople are awful about understanding customer value. Yes. And if you don't understand value, of course you have to be a wimp on price. Yes. And so that data, which assumed, which cooks in not very good value selling acumen um, means that your prices are biased downward by the amount of your, the achievable price, the analyzed price out of that model is biased downward by the um, deficit in your sales skills. Uh, and, 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 And because customers lie. When, 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 if you, if you, if you, um, if you believe what a customer tells you, he will tell you, no, let me, you know, a story here, you know? So when you, when you buy that next car of yours, would you tell the, um, uh, the salesman that if you do have it in white, I'll pay you another two grand. No, you don't. (laughs) What you will tell him is that, if you have it in white and you knock another thousand dollars off the price, I'm going to buy it. And, and, and that, that is, leads to a, a, a misunderstanding of what, what a customer, what value a customer really sees in the product or service the salesman is, is trying to sell. And it, and it leads to lower prices. Yeah. You know? So you've been a CEO and led companies. Mm-hmm. And you know how important pricing is. Uh, mm-hmm. I always tell people that pricing is the most powerful lever to drive profits. A dollar of price is a profit dollar when it's mm-hmm. discounted or gained. Um, mm-hmm. And it is so much easier to get an additional dollar in price. It's easier to discount your price just 1% less. And the average mm-hmm. Fortune 1000 company, if they were to average 1% higher price, their profits would go up by 11%. Correct. So the, there's, the, I mean, um, you can't save 5%, right? We're in a COVID shutdown and a lot of companies are frugaling and uh, counting paper clips, and you can't count. Five percent less, you know, buy five percent fewer paper clips next year and get anything like uh, the benefit eleven percent, one percent in changing the price. Yeah, yeah. The the um, actually for for those for those companies, the the if you can if you can if if you can sell more, um, uh, profit goes up about three and a half percent, and if you can uh, cut another percent of um, of cost, profit goes up with 7% roughly. Um, but the, the issue is that companies already spend enormous amount of resources on, on selling more. <laughs> they spend enormous amount of resources of controlling their cost. So, but, but just like you said, adding a dollar here, adding a dollar there, you know, or a percent here or a percent there. And it, it's, um, 
it's 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 very interesting when you start doing this calculation on on your own data on your own sales data as a company yeah and uh, because obviously you have the you have the overall cost and you have the overall um margin so it's uh, um it's it's a very simple calculation to do yeah the one thing that i think is is really important sorry for for interrupting but the one thing i think is really important is that in a company you need all the executives to 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 know that one percent calculation you need to know um, especially especially the those in in sales organizations need to know that fact that you just said that if I'm discounting one more percent, I'm cutting our profits with um, about 11 percent. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I had an interesting presentation to a group of chief financial officers. And here I am, sales and marketing guy talking to, to, to CFOs. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, do you have can you track the discount spend? Because every time you decide to discount, you're, you're putting, you're essentially spending money. So I call it discount spend. Do you track your discount spend by product, by salesperson, mm-hmm. by sales mm-hmm. manager, by customer? Mm-hmm. I mean, are your discount dollars going to the salespeople who are the most gifted at gaming your system? or the sales manager who used to be the most gifted at, at the system, and now he's sharing that skill for all of his direct reports, his or her direct reports. And so all of the discounts are going into that sales manager's region. Do you know, is it because of the whiniest customer or is it because, uh, it, because in some market with some customer, uh, there is more competitive pressure? There are good reasons to discount but the good reasons are swamped in all of the noise. And if you don't have the ability as a CFO to track where your discount spend is going, at least as well as you're tracking all the other expenses in your company, yep. and that those discount dollars are a bigger effect on your profits, you're asleep at the switch. Yes, absolutely. and and. Uh, well, you, you, you said you asked a question. What answers did you get? Uh, deer in the headlights. No, we don't do it. Yeah, I think our CRM is capable, but we don't really pull that data out of the CRM. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So it's it's almost universal that, as you said, we have put a ton of rigor on sales excellence and on cost control excellence, but very little or no rigor around discounting discipline. Yeah, correct. Correct, and 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 the, uh, but but at the end of the day, um, a, a a salesperson need to know the the if if the salesperson really need knows the the the, the value that the customer sees with with a product, if 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 the or a service, um, if the salesperson know what features and functions. Or drives a, a higher willingness to pay. If if the salesperson know that he's he's or he, he or her is talking to a customer that will generate a higher sales volume at higher prices, if if he has all that data, he's he's going to be or she's going to be a more successful salesperson selling higher volumes at higher prices. 
and obviously making more commissions. I, yeah, I, you led us, led me right to where I wanted to go next. And that was that having higher prices is one thing, being able to get your salespeople to successfully defend and achieve those higher prices is quite another thing. And yes. that traditional methodology where you analyze existing pricing data comes back with an answer of this is the price you should be able to get sales department. Your methodology says that here are the big impacting value propositions. So make sure that in your sales conversations, you're talking about these elements and these elements that add to customer value so that when the pricing discussion occurs, you are, have already pre-positioned your product to, to withstand it. Yeah, correct. And the, the, and, and it goes to, to, to a lot of things. I mean, we, we, um, just to give you just to give you an example um, we're currently working with a company who's building websites and they're building large complicated websites and um, the profile of their customers is completely different Um, the profile of customers that that are willing to pay um, substantial amounts for these websites is completely different to the customer they're targeting in their sales operation. Completely, you know? Um, and, you know, their the, 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 um, geographic location is different. The, the reason for having the website is different. Uh, the features and functions of the website is different. And, 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 and the size of the ultimate customer is, is different. So they have a problem saying to me that we have problems holding our, our, our prices. Well, of course they have a problem because they're selling to the wrong people with the wrong messages um, and, 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 and the wrong prices. You know, yeah. so they don't. <laughs> and, 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 and how do we know this? Well, we know this because we started off um, finding out how, 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 this, how the market values the particular traits of this particular company um, in, in, um, in features and functions and benefits and sales and marketing messages and all of the stuff that we have, um, we discussed. So we know how all of these aspects um, um, affect sales volume at different prices. And then we went to the, co- the, 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 cus- the, the company itself and we did the same project but instead of saying, saying, what do you think about your customers to the company? So what do you, the company, think the, the features that would lead to the, the highest sales volume at the highest prices? Which was completely different than the features that the, 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 um, the actual potential customers to this company had. You know? So, so you create a gap analysis between this is what the market actually think and this is what you the company thinks about the market and is wrong (laughs) yeah i think i think that's brilliant i work with my clients to start with understanding your differentiation what outcomes does that differentiation give to your customers so those outcomes are going to be differentiated outcomes that you're the best at delivering and then Mm -hmm. who cares are we talking to the right customers about that is yeah, uh, a really important 
next step? Are, are we selling to the right people? Um, and it, even if that answer is yes, a lot of times the conversations that pull that value out or build the value in the customer's mind more accurately um, so that your price, when it goes into their mind, weighs against the right amount of value. That's so, right. And, and your thoughts. And, but but, but the, the, the one thing that is so important is that once you have these, once you have these gaps, once you know where they are, you train people, you coach people, you, 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 train, the, 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 you train the trainer, you train the sales management, you train the, 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 the actual sales people on, and, and prove to them with hard data that, sorry guys, but you're wrong. And, 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 uh, and will every salespeople just accept it? No, they won't, but, but it's a process. And, and um, it's, it's, it's a process that, that, um, that can take some serious time sometimes, but, but again, yields tremendous results, of course. And, and it's that transfer of knowledge that is so important. Yeah. So, so salespeople can really defend those prices that 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 leads to higher higher sales at higher prices. I have met a couple sales forces that are excellent at that. And literally out of maybe a thousand sales forces that I've been personally involved with, I can count on one hand the number of sales forces that are truly excellent at this. So I think yes. there is a lot of, of opportunity and it's not just sales forces. You know, once you find out these are the markets that have the most value, now you've got to work with your marketing folks to re re aim their marketing at those most profitable uh, markets with the messages that most impact that market. And so exactly. uh, you provide a lot of ammunition to do all of that. I think that's, I'm a huge fan. We worked with a, uh, a company. This is maybe two years ago. They um, they were um, they were um, launching a new consumer product, and uh, actually a new consumer brand even. And and we tested how different brand names affect sales volume. Um, and at 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 the optimum prices, the 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 uh, the brand name that they had sort of decided. Um, would uh, drive a sales volume that was about 25% lower than another brand that they had been thinking about and not decided to do use, you know? So what happened, of course, is that they changed the brand, you know? This was before they launched, so it was easy to change the brand name. Wow. So What a great yeah. story. Uh, and in 15 years of doing this, you've probably got dozens or hundreds of those stories. Yes, I do. <laughs> and so when people want to uh, get a hold of you to learn more about you and to hear those stories and maybe make some of those stories for themselves, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, well, my, uh, the website is atenga.biz, B-I-Z. Um, but the best way of finding me is, is maybe LinkedIn or, um, and, or, or Google my, my name. I got a very unusual name, so... Um, that's, uh, yeah. that's one way. Uh, or yeah. my, my email is, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Um, my email is, is par at, um, at atenga.biz or par at uh, showforce.com. And showforce is S J O F O R S. 
It is, and it makes perfect sense for other Swedes. Yes, it makes perfect sense for other Swedes, but as soon as there was that umlaut over that first, oh, people probably here in the States get a little bit taken off of the rails. Possibly. (laughs) Possibly. I, I used to say when I when I present that uh, if you remember me, um, if you remember nothing else, remember me as the guy with the unpronounceable name. <laughs> well, Pear, thank you. Is there anything else that you that you've been thinking that you'd like to get out before we sign off? Um, no, I think this was a, a very interesting, uh, very interesting call, and uh, and I hope the audience uh, uh, see value in, in in what we're doing here, and and I want to thank you for for inviting me. Oh, and pair there's the the value of understanding what your pricing could be and how to achieve it is um, that is my reason for being. Uh, within when I was still at Miller Hyman, I was the value pricing guy, mm-hmm. um, and now that I'm on my own, I get to do that 100% of my time and, and help clients succeed. And your expertise is just—I'm um, going to be relying on it a lot more. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thank okay. you, Mark. Uh, I, I can—I have a give here as well, if you—if you like. Um, uh, I have a little calculator, an Excel spreadsheet, where you just put in your um, you put in your revenue and your your cost, and it tells you how much a, a percent will do for your bottom line. You know, um, and that's a little spreadsheet that I can share with the audience if uh, somebody wants to. Oh, that'd be great! Yeah, uh, so everybody, reach out and get that. Uh, so, thanks everybody for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that value only exists in your customer's mind. So that means your success with every one of your customers is really all in your customer's head. Thanks and have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues because you'll be singing those old don't know value This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.